you know, another thing with the boundary setting is when you're clear on why you need the boundary and what happens to you if you don't have it, it is easier to set it. Okay. You know, so thinking about it like, okay, great. If I don't set this boundary, what is the cost? And the cost for most people is the loss of energy. Okay. Not only mentally, but because you're constantly thinking about it or frustrated about it, but that translates over time to physical consequences. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, Tribe. On today's episode, I am blessed with being able to interview Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. She is a communications expert, and we dove right into how hard it is to be in relationship with other people, especially the people that you love the most and want to spend the most time with. Because a lot of times, and especially for women, our people pleaser comes out or we fail to set proper boundaries that will create really strong, healthy relationships. So Dr. Cassandra goes into, you know, some of the steps and some of the things that you can start to do yourself to create those boundaries, to stop being a people pleaser, build more confidence. And we talk about what my experience at least has been is that when you start making those changes within yourself, um, you know, how people around you react, sometimes negatively at first, but eventually it really changes the relationship and makes it stronger and more positive. Hey, Cassandra, I have been waiting all week to have our conversation. You and I have had a couple of chats prior to this. It's been instantaneous friendship. Uh, I was on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. You talk about something that I think is so important that women don't do enough, and that is really setting boundaries and how to communicate more effectively to introduce yourself. But I'd love to know the backstory of like how you ended up being in this space. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We, I know we did such a great rapport. I love talking to you and I was really excited to come on your podcast. And, um, you know, one of the big reasons that I got into the boundary space, it's part of my work as a professor. I teach about communication and those are the principles and things I extend on with my clients and customers. But really the boundary work for me, one of the reasons I love teaching and talking about it and really creating resources on that is because it is something that I've struggled so greatly with in my life. And I think that it is very challenging in particular for women um, because we've been conditioned to be people pleasers and to put other people's needs first or to accommodate others. 
So that so often for women, it's a societal conditioning that's happened since childhood. And then one day we wake up as adults and we wonder, you know, why we don't have our needs met. And it's oftentimes because we've never known how to put our needs first or to put up boundaries so we can get our own needs met. So it's really a, a personal thing for me that I struggle with, but I'm good at teaching. So as I teach other people, I solidify and fortify it and do it for myself. Which is so beautiful. Right. And I mean, you're not the only one who's like a lot of coaches or mentors teach the thing that they are learning. They just happen to be at a slightly mm-hmm. higher level than whoever they're teaching in that moment. And as they elevate, mm-hmm. they elevate too. Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've always had, you know, I've had the academic knowledge, you know, with my education and my training, and I have all these additional certifications so I've always known the concepts and I've known how to teach it, like I said, or known how to help others, but it's that putting it into practice for yourself. You know, I was good at it in certain areas, but then just terrible at it really in other areas. And some of that for me personally does really stem from some childhood instances from different situations and experiences that I had where it became, you know, people pleasing and making everybody else feel okay kind of became a coping mechanism for me. It became a way that felt safe for me. And that was just that ingrained patterning. And it really wasn't until I was kind of burnt out, frustrated, just feeling depleted all the time that I was like, okay, I have to make some real changes and figure out how to do this for myself, even though it might make other people uncomfortable or even though it might upset other people. And so, you know, it's a lot of interpersonal work that goes in with boundary setting. And I think that that's where, again, sometimes people are really good at it in certain areas and then other areas or with certain people, it's it's a challenge. Yeah. And where do you see women make or having the biggest struggle with setting boundaries? Because I know where I've struggled. I'm just curious if, you know, everybody wants to say it's not work, but it's not. Everybody wants to blame work. I mean, obviously, we all have work-life boundary issues, especially after the pandemic and COVID. So, yes, that is a very big place for, yeah. for boundary issues. But for women, most of the time, it's honestly with their romantic partners and their children. Okay. okay. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so often it's the kid, it's kids too. And, and so much of that is back to the nurturing conditioning, you know, of like, oh, you have to put the needs of your children first. And, you know, this is just what your role is and what you're supposed to do. And this is what raising children looks like. And, you know, really understanding the difference between caring for your child and giving them their, making sure their needs are met versus completely enmeshing and enveloping yourself into somebody else's feelings and development to the extent where you forget that you have you know, needs, or you forget that it's okay for you to, you know, take time for yourself or what have you. And I do think that some of that is, it's just as difficult because people are playing so many different roles and wearing so many different hats that, that, that piece of setting boundaries for ourselves or having those kind of internal boundaries, it feels like the last thing we should do because we're trying to manage all these other things. When in reality, it's the first thing we should do so that we're able to manage all of those other things. Yeah. Like in my head, at least we have to be complete, full and, and fulfilled human beings Mm -hmm. as much as we can be in any given moment to be able to help nurture and really support anybody else. Well, it's just like when they say in the airplane, you know, you put your own oxygen mask on first. It's no different, right? And it's not to say that you couldn't still help other people, 
but the level at which you can help people is going to go down, right? If you don't put your own oxygen mask on first, because you're going to become depleted. And then also just what does your capacity look like? And if we keep giving to other people first over ourselves, our own depletion goes down and down and down. So then what happens to a lot of people is they start to feel like they're just not there at the level they want to be for other other people. So they start to feel inadequate and have feelings of guilt or shame or frustration or what have you, or they start to get frustrated with relational partners because they want somebody to help them or take on more work or what have you. So really what, what the lack of boundary setting does is it causes all of these other feelings and relational issues, but we often fail to see that it started as a boundary issue in the first place. Right, right. So, you know, that's where, again, it's such an important concept across multiple contexts and, and situations. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, yeah, like kids, spouse, partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, I really like I've left, I've given too much of myself. Like I mm-hmm. definitely am relating to this. What is something that they can start to do or implement or shift, which I realize is kind of a broad, mm-hmm. a broad question, but. Yeah. I mean, and this is the one thing I say this repeatedly, and I want to make sure everyone realizes this, is that a lot of times we don't realize where we need a boundary until it's been crossed. So if you're like, I can't set a boundary now because I didn't do one or I didn't start there, like that's okay. Most people don't. Most of the time it takes us getting frustrated or resentful or angry or or noticing that we're upset about something before we understand we need a boundary. Another thing that can happen then when we're thinking about this is we don't know why we want the boundary or we need it. We state it because we're frustrated or stressed. We're just like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop this, or I'm going to tell this person that, right? So instead, it's much better to kind of get clear for yourself first on like, what are those boundaries? Think about those places where it has caused you frustration or stress. And why is that? Is it because you're overextending yourself? Is it because you feel you've given somebody too many chances? Is it because you don't want to say no because you're afraid of disappointing someone? You know, like really understanding for yourself the why that you're not doing the boundary then can help you understand how to go forward to set one. Because unfortunately, what happens to a lot of us is we do realize we don't need boundaries or we don't have them. So then we go into set one and we choose like the biggest, baddest one. And we're like, yeah, this is what I'm no longer accepting in my life. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we're like, just going to go out and do that. And I'm, this is what I, I'm saying. But if you start with the biggest, most scary one first, a lot of times it's hard to follow through on that. Right. And so then we dial it back and we dial it back or we couch it or we change it. So it's much more effective to start small and give yourself a few boundary wins and get used to having that confidence to stating what you need or stating, you know, what this looks like for you instead of just going in and like blowing up all your relationships with these big boundaries that can feel like ultimatums then to people too. And I think, you know, another thing with the boundary setting is when you're clear on why you need the boundary and what happens to you if you don't have it, it is easier to set it. Okay, you know, so thinking about it, like, okay, great. If I don't set this boundary, what is the cost? And the cost for most people is the loss of energy, pay not only mentally, but because you're constantly thinking about it or frustrated about it, but that translates over time to physical consequences. But then in addition, it's what is the relationship change that could happen? You know, if you set the boundary, yes, perhaps somebody might not receive it very well the first time, or it might alter you know, the the situations or experiences that you have. Well, what is it doing for you over time? 
you know, what does your life look like if you're no longer thinking about wanting a boundary every single day? (laughs) You know, what does your life look like if you actually set the boundary instead of shaming yourself later for the fact that you didn't say it or that you wish you would have? You know, so really being honest with yourself about the fact that there are consequences to not having boundaries and where are your pain points and what, what could feel better to you if you worked on some of these things? Yeah, I think that's so important. And part of what's going through my head is because you just shared like so much (laughs) fantastic, but is sometimes when you make those big radical, like I'm overhauling my life moments, like it really comes across the wrong way so that it's harder for those people to actually support you. And then there's frustration and anger too. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, hit some of the smaller things because then you can practice and build that up. Yeah. For me, at least too, when I've been in relationships where my boundaries have been crossed, but I didn't really know that. Not only was I like, I was upset, but directed it at the wrong, maybe the wrong person or in the wrong situation. So being aware of that. And again, those smaller boundary wins will help with that too. Like you get to practice. Yeah. Be different. I, mean, I really do even encourage people to find, like if you have a boundary or you need to set one with somebody and you really are worried about how they're going to react or you don't want to disappoint them or frustrate them or have it cause conflict and you're anticipating their reaction, it really is helpful to find a friend and practice with. Just say like, okay, I have to set this boundary or I'm in this situation, can you, can I speak some things out loud to you? Can I say some things to you? And you can mm-hmm. tell them how you want them to respond back even. And that act of kind of saying those things and practicing, or if you don't want to find somebody else, if that doesn't feel comfortable to you, even doing that for yourself, but really trying to state some different things out loud, because that's the thing for a lot of us too. We think these things, you know, we can even hear ourselves saying them, but then when it comes to the act of speaking, a lot of people in the moment will feel their throats close up. You know, your nervous system gets all activated. You might feel your heart rate rise and it might start to feel uncomfortable. So even understanding that, that just because it feels uncomfortable in the moment to say it doesn't mean it's wrong, right? So anticipating, so the act of practicing saying some of those, even if you're not in front of somebody else, and obviously your emotions will be different by yourself. But you can start to see some things that are just harder for you to say, even by yourself, or, you know, what would that really look like to articulate? And some of this too, you know, in terms of, like you said, putting up those huge boundaries right away, like understanding that there's a difference between a boundary and a wall, right? The goal with a boundary isn't to immediately, you know, especially with relational partners, your goal probably is not to shut them out completely and shut this down and end the relationship, right? So looking at your boundaries is, you know, that's your yes and your no, but that doesn't mean it's your partner's yes and their no, right? Or your friend's yes and their no, because everybody has different levels of what their yes or what their no is. So even understanding it from that perspective of like, oh, if somebody doesn't understand my boundary or they don't respect it right away, it might be because their boundary is different. So can we have a conversation about this? And you don't owe people these long-winded explanations for your boundaries by any means. That is not what I'm saying. However, if you're in a relationship with somebody that you can have a space where you can talk about the importance of your boundary or why you're setting it, or if there is a a change in behavior or a change you need in the relationship, be open about why that is. You know, if this is someone you're close to, can you be also vulnerable with them and say, you know, this is why I need this shift? 
Or here's why I have to preserve time for myself that I didn't use to. Or here's why mommy needs to have her coffee in the morning and I need time by myself or whatever it is, right? And, you know, just really trying to even embed those things in your psyche too, as like routines that you just do can be really helpful. I love that because that was one of the rules. It wasn't even a boundary, it was just outright rule. Don't talk to Emmy before coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was like, I'm just not functional first thing in the morning. So I need to be up for like half an hour Mm -hmm. still. And, but my kids knew, and then they would tell their friends, like, don't talk to her. (laughs) And it became a joke. Like it was, Mm -hmm. because it was like, what? You want what? Which they had, they probably talked to me. They could have gotten. (laughs) (laughs) But the cool thing about that though, is then when people know, they know. And so then your kids just knew. So instead of them not understanding that and then taking it personally, if you maybe have space for them or what have you. So even though it can feel like scary or uncomfortable to set the boundaries, Again, if it can cause positive relational change, then, you know, that scary discomfort lasts a moment. The lack of change in your anger, frustration, or resentment isn't going to really go away otherwise, right? Right, right. So, you know, and even with the kids, that's great that you did that for your kids and that they knew that because one of the things parents push back a lot for me on some of this, you know, they're like, well, I just don't have time or I can't do that or my kids need me. And, you know, my biggest thing that I tell people is do you want your children to feel the way you feel? Because you are absolutely modeling a lack of boundaries and burnout to them. And if you are okay with them seeing that behavior and modeling that and feeling like this is acceptable how we do things, then go ahead, by all means, continue. (laughs) But most people really are not. They don't want to show their kids that. They want their kids to have healthier boundaries than they do. And kids are like little sponges in a lot of ways. So modeling them them that, showing them that, talking to them, telling them why. So it's not just like mommy doesn't want to talk to you because she needs her coffee. It's like, this is my quiet space or this is how my brain wakes up. And sometimes, you know, you're, you wake up in the morning and you might be a little grumpy until I get done with this space. That's how I feel inside. You know, like it's actually pretty easy to explain things to kids, but we, we don't always take that step to tell them that we need things too. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because one, I did a lot of that with my kids. I and mean, we've kind of talked about that with the whole single mom thing where for me, if, if I was explaining why things were happening the way they were, it gave them the ability to understand and accept it. But I also, like, I couldn't do it all. There was just no, no way for me to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed them in order for our family to function, to step in and step up. Mm-hmm. And communicating that and then setting boundaries and expectations really fostered an independence where, you know, they'd like to remind me now as basically grownups that, you know, they don't need me. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Well, that is- <laughs> part of me is like, oh, <laughs> there's another part of me is like, yay, that's, that was the goal. Right. Right. Yeah. That is the goal. You want them to be self-sufficient. You want them to have all of these things, but then, yeah, it's like you succeed, but then it feels a little weird. Right. Cause yeah. it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> have I empowered you too much? Well, <laughs> and I'm going to say that translates because I've seen it with a lot of women entrepreneurs where they feel like they have to be everything to oh. everybody, whether it's their clients or their mm-hmm. team. And or people that they're interacting with because they need them and they don't. You don't have to be available every second of the day. Yep. And that's another good thing to talk about because a lot of times, you know, we talk about boundaries in terms of, oh, we want to be people pleasing or we don't want to upset other people. But we, we don't always talk about the control aspect. 
And for a lot of us at work, that's what it is, right? Is that we don't set good boundaries for what our tasks are versus what other people's are, or we we kind of step out of our lane a little bit, especially like you said, women entrepreneurs, you work with a lot of them, as do I, and we both are entrepreneurs. So we also know the struggle, right? And so, so often we blur those lines between what, what we really have to do versus what we are taking on from other people, maybe on our team or other areas. And so really stepping back and asking yourself like, okay, where do I need boundaries and what am I doing because I really have to versus what am I doing because I feel like I should, or I could do it better, or I'm faster at it, or I just want to check on this one person, you know, like really allowing yourself to to even make yourself a task list of what are the tasks that are yours alone and then stay right there. And what are the ones that you really do have to take over or take on? And even asking yourself, how often are you volunteering to take on stuff that you, that you don't have to, you know, and so many high achieving, high achieving women are raising their hand before they even realize like where it fits in their schedule, how they're really going to carry it off, how it's going to impact their other relationships. So all of a sudden we've raised our hand And then we're looking back at our calendar being like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? I've caused all this stress, but we don't want to take our hand down from the thing we volunteered for or whatever it is, right? Right. Oh, I'll just stay up all night. I'll get it done. Yeah. Yep. So really being clear with yourself too on, okay, where am I trying to micromanage people or where have I maybe stepped in because I thought I would be helpful? You know, feeling like you could be helpful is wonderful, but also sometimes you have to ask yourself, is my help needed? And sometimes it's not, and it might feel good to you for the moment to help somebody, but what would it also feel good? Probably getting some of your other stuff done or whatever. And I say that as someone who like one of the biggest boundaries I had to set was I had to stop volunteering so much. And that sounds strange to people, but I was, I want to, I want to be helpful to people. I want to, you know, take, I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed and have too many things. So if I feel like I can help somebody, you know, from that feeling, I want to jump in and do that. So I really have to set boundaries for myself, those internal boundaries about what am I going to say yes to? How many meetings am I going to accept a week? How many, you know, when am I going to respond to my email? Those types of things. And I think like for a lot of us, we're kind of in the machine and we have to like step out of a little bit and set some of those structures in place so that then when we step back in, we can see how it can run in a different way. Yeah. And I think once you start doing that, well, I just let me rephrase. If you're not doing that, you're mm-hmm. taking away ex- learning experiences for other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Like one of the things that I did with my kids, and I've done it some with my team members differently, but I gave them a lot of freedom and a lot of independence and set them up to fail on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. here's your debit card with all your money and then you can go do whatever you want with it as soon as they like legally able to have a debit card in their own bank account. It was great because they made some mistakes. They're both at 21 and 23, really good with money now. Mm-hmm. But it was a place where they could make mistakes and I could guide them through it yep. as opposed to just being on their own and not having any sense of money, any financial knowledge and any conversation about all the feelings and emotions that go with it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and giving them then that opportunity to do some problem solving. And, you know, for for people in the workplace to, you know, thinking about it as if, if you're doing another person's job or you're constantly checking in on them or if you're micromanaging them, 
you're taking away a sense of empowerment from them in some ways too, right? Of accomplishment of like, no, I am good at my job. Let me do it, you know, or let me show you how I can do these things. And it's also one of those situations, this would come up a lot when I would teach family communication is one of the stories would be like, it is, it's very stereotypical, but it's also very common for, you know, women to complain that they're not getting enough help like at home or that, you know, that the childcare isn't being helped with or household chores or what have you. What happened is when you actually interview a lot of people, it wasn't that the help wasn't there. It's that the help was there. Somebody was willing to do it, but it wasn't done the way that the person would do it. So they would step in constantly, you know, so it's like, oh, great. You know, somebody is there to help me, but they don't do it the way I would. So I'm going to go in and make sure it's done my way. Or I'm going to make sure that I have given you a huge list of how you have to carry out this task. So really also asking yourself, okay, do you care about how the task is done or do you care about the end result? And if it is about an end result where, you know, that is there, any number of things can happen as long as the end result is okay, then also stepping back and letting go of some of your need to be in there all the time, right? And just letting it happen. And that's a really eye-opening exercise for a lot of people to just, say like every time you feel the need to go check on somebody or to ask, it's like, are you really concerned that they're not going to do the thing? Or are you concerned that they're not doing it exactly the way you do? Yeah. Or as well or as well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I will share that I used to send my kids videos of how to clean up the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. Oh no, for sure. There are just certain things, right. And that's, and that's some of it, you know, and some of this too, is like even thinking about that. It's like, well, if you want people to be able to improve, you have to be able to then, okay, fine. Go back into the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever it is and be like, awesome. Thank you for your attempts. (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) Let's learn how to scrub or whatever. (laughs) Well, and it was in lieu of me like yelling at them or being like, I would take a deep breath and and I would do something funny with the video. Right. Or like my, I, you know, people will admit like, oh, I just like kind of half-ass it because I know so-and-so is going to come in and take over. Okay. So also the more people realize you're going to take over, the more they'll just let you. (laughs) So really asking yourself too, okay, how can I, you know, and and some of that, again, those are internal boundaries for yourself. Okay. I'm going to try to let this person handle this. I'm only going to check my email at these times or I'm going to leave my work at work at 5 p.m., you know, or whatever that realistically looks like for you. And so, again, boundaries are for other people, but they're also for ourselves. And a lot of times it's our own internal boundaries that we have to look at, you know, especially if we're feeling stuck or we're feeling like we haven't met our goals. You know, it's like taking that step back and really being like, okay, you know, what, what have I been choosing for myself, too? And how good have I been at following through and having that internal motivation? Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about burnout for a second because I've been on a soapbox about overwhelm and burnout the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have a lot of choice coming from somebody who has experienced burnout and has had, you know, several years to really reflect on that. And I took a month off, which if you listen to any of the podcasts that uh, we've done, the podcast takeovers with, I've probably talked about it more than once. But I feel like because we don't have boundaries in some ways that that we opt into too many things, kind of like opting in for all the volunteer things, but we're opting into cultural, societal, mm-hmm. you've got to be busy. You've got to take your kids to five different things. You've got to be, you know, volunteering at a charity and playing a sport and working out and meditating, which was really where like mine came from was like, 
I'm really in a practice of taking the day slowly, which is a little mm-hmm. weird and still uncomfortable for me, but I get so much more done and I feel better. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm but- curious about your thoughts because I feel like there's so much, there's so much room for us to make shifts, create boundaries and opt out of mm-hmm. doing all the things. Yeah. I mean, burnout culture, hustle culture, this idea of busyness, and it's all a competition of who's the busiest or that's how we find our worth. I mean, that's so it's again, it's embedded into our daily life. So often we don't realize we're doing it. You know, I I tell my clients all the time, I want you to pay attention to how many times you start telling somebody else all the things that you're doing, because it's such a, it's such a gut um, response for us to somebody say, how are you? And then you say, oh, I'm so busy. And you start listing all the things you're doing. So, you know, just even noticing for yourself, if you feel that need to constantly list all the things you're doing, it's probably because your brain feels like it's doing too much already, right? So, so much of the the burnout too, it is a boundary issue. And for many of us, we're on cognitive overload, right? Because we do have all of these things we're managing, or there has been a lot of uncertainty and change in the last few years. So our brain is trying to cap- catch up with everything. And what are we doing over here? What does this look like? And so it's a different kind of level of like mental and cognitive load than, you know, you might have had before. And so over time that that has a toll, right? And looking at burnout in terms of, you know, not just mental health, but physical health, this is something where really getting clearer for yourself when you notice, yes, oh, I'm having some physical symptoms or, oh, I'm noticing that I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm having more anxiety. And then trying to pinpoint, if you can, where are the spaces where you can take back a little bit for yourself? You know, so unfortunately, a lot of organizations like burnout is an organizational issue, too. You know, I definitely don't want to give anybody listening the impression that like, oh, if you're burned out, this is all your fault and you didn't take care of yourself. Like that is not true. So much of the burnout culture is embedded in okay, I have to do this to keep my job and this is part of my role and this is the company culture and I have to show up this way. And if I don't, then all these consequences happen or I might lose my job and I need my paycheck. And we kind of like do that whole thing, right? Which is very real. So if you feel like you cannot change the company or the corporation or the work situation where you're at, instead of getting all like frustrated and, and flustered by that and thinking there's no hope, trying to look then at the very real spaces, okay, where can I gain some control? Is it possible, again, for example, for you to check your email only in the morning and the afternoon? For some people, that is. For some people, it's not. They have to be more available than that, right? Or is it possible for you to actually take a lunch break instead of working through lunch? You know, if you're doing some of those kinds of things, or it's especially hard, I think, for people who have jobs that it's a job that they still think about when they leave work. You know, like that's that's the type of job I've always had. I've never had a job where I leave work and like, oh, I'm I'm done for the day. Now I get to think about other things. Like my work <laughs> is so deep. Yeah, I'm like, what's that like? <laughs> I'm gonna I might find one of those jobs and just get it for the summer and see how it feels. <laughs> but but so really asking yourself too, like, where is your mental load? And if you find yourself okay at night, you're still thinking about work all the time. All right, can you then find a different activity that you're going to actually plug into your calendar or your schedule? I know we shouldn't be adding things. We're talking about how overwhelmed we are. But if you find that you're really ruminating a lot or thinking about or you can't escape, then put another activity there to get your body, your brain used to doing something else. 
you know, and, and just try that for a little bit, try to see if you can get out of those spaces. But so many of the, the burnout things with, for many people, it comes back to the feeling of needing to be available. And for a lot of people too, that changed over the last few years because we lost that work life, you know, work was at home, you were at home, your kids were at home, school was, everything was at home, right? So some of those boundaries that maybe we had previously set up for ourselves just became non-existent. And then going back to the workforce or getting back to some sort of normalcy, whatever that is, you know, trying to map those old boundaries on your new life is is not always going to work or is difficult. So really, you know, it's okay to step back and be like, all right, things are all different right now. So what does this look like for me on a day-to-day basis right now? And unfortunately for many of this, as you know this as well from your um, job as an entrepreneur, your day doesn't look the same. You might have days all over the place. And so it might feel even harder to escape burnout because you feel like you're constantly checking your calendar or what is this day bringing and what have you. So really even taking the time then, okay, if my schedule changes too much for me to have like any sort of consistent feeling and that's adding to my feelings of stress or burnout, you know, can I at least make one consistent thing in my calendar that I know is going to be there? You know, can you schedule a 9 a.m. meeting for yourself, even if it's only for 15 minutes every single day? And that's the 15 minutes where you're going to go like, you know, cry in the corner or do some breathing or whatever it is, right? And I seriously have clients I work with who can't get that. But what they can get is two minutes when they're washing their hands in the bathroom. So even, even understanding that that can be a start. Okay. And some of them are like, I think I washed my hands for five minutes yesterday. <laughs> I was like, okay, go for it. You know, if that's where you get your space, then that's fine. Be the person in the bathroom, like wringing your hands and washing. But really, like, I think the biggest thing with burnout is we feel so depleted that the idea of trying one more thing or, or how do I get out of this? So even a small win, like two minutes of washing your hands of where you just took that space to like calm down or have some breathing, it can feel huge in a space where you're just really exhausted and overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people feel or believe that they don't have choice to Mm -hmm. like, it has to be this way. And even Mm -hmm. with the job, and I am not suggesting that if you are in a corporate job, or even if you're running your own business, that you just quit because you've decided not to be burned out and you don't like the way your business is operating. It may take some time, Mm -hmm. but know that you have options. There's always options. Mm -hmm. And and that's the thing too. I think reminding yourself that is so is is really paramount because anytime your brain tells you that there's only one answer or like this is the way what I do is I really do challenge myself to come up with two other alternatives you know especially if I'm like doomsdaying something or having this worst case scenario like okay that's my brain's go-to so what are two other alternatives that could also be true And also challenging myself a lot of times to come up with, because again, I can get very frustrated. I've been burnt out. I've been in toxic workplaces, you know, and you kind of look back and you're like, how did I get to this point? Or why didn't I see this? Or why didn't I do something? Or now I'm mad at that organization or I'm mad at these people. So that's all great to understand your feelings surrounding it and to understand and work through all of those things. But we also don't want to just get stuck there, right, in terms of blaming ourselves or getting mad at the organization. So sometimes that kind of bringing it back to, yeah, what are some areas that I can control for myself right now? 
Mm-hmm. And and sometimes again, because we're so depleted and burnt out, everything does feel overwhelming. So just reminding people of those things that, you know, we hear it all the time. Like, how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know, or how do you, those types of things, right? So instead of looking at this huge problem, like what are some little tiny things each day that that chip away at the big problem? Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're doing that, particularly from a job perspective, like if you were to be like, oh, I don't like this organization and it's not working for me. I'm just going to quit. And then you get into the conversation of, well, where am I going to, you know, how am I going to support myself? Blah, blah, blah. Right. You, you're not, you're not problem solving or finding a good solution. Like what do you want to do and how do you want to feel and where do you want to be? Like, yeah. I think those are the questions to start inquiry with so that you can then kind of take a few more bites slowly. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? And mm-hmm. what is the right time frame for you? But I think I know for me, when I was in a job and I knew it wasn't the right place for me, but I wasn't ready to move, mm-hmm. going through that process and, you know, and mentally, and then what I wanted is, and kind of getting started on the next thing mm-hmm. made it much easier for me to tolerate the stuff that I didn't enjoy about the job I was currently in. Mm-hmm. And that's such great advice too, of just even like you said, kind of getting clear on what would it look like if you weren't burned out? What would it look like if you did have a workplace that was supported? You know, it's just like what we said about the boundaries, getting clear on why you need the boundaries and how you want to feel. So same thing, like you just said, you know, what, instead of saying, oh, I don't want to be burnt out anymore, or I'm stressed, or this is my organization. A lot of times too, we, we make ourselves feel trapped because it's like, oh, it's my job, but I can't quit my job. Or it's, you know, this is the stress, but this is just how it's going to be because I have this bill or I have to do this. So really, like you said, asking yourself, okay, what are the spaces? How would I, how do I want to feel differently? Is that possible in my current organization? Is it not? And then kind of creating, yeah, some action steps or ideas for yourself or, or even kind of giving yourself a timeline. Okay. Maybe I have this new perspective now. So let me reassess in however many months or a year or whatever it is, right? To see checking in with yourself. Are you still feeling this way or what steps can you take? And I think not only does that help you feel better in the situation that you're in, it can help give you that clarity of recognition of like, oh, okay, it's not just that I'm burnt out in my workplace. It's that I don't like my role. I don't actually like this job I'm in. Maybe the organization is great, but maybe it's my specific role. Or maybe it's like, oh, no, I don't like this organization at all. And I would much rather be in this other industry. And even allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to think those things. Unfortunately, a lot of us, um, you know, especially when you're in, been in a career for a while, the idea that you could switch or change or quit or shift even within the company, we've kind of like shut down that part of our brains in some ways because we're like, no, this is where I'm at. This is the next goal. Here's what I'm supposed to do. So allowing yourself to, you know, I, my friends don't like me because I challenge them and question them on this stuff all the time. Whenever they start complaining about work, I'll be like, well, what would happen if you did something different? And they're like, yeah. <gasps> How could you even suggest that? <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you don't seem very happy right now. You know, so what would happen? Like, what's the worst case scenario? And really even just allowing yourself, maybe you won't, maybe you won't leave. Maybe you won't go do anything else, but really just allowing yourself to yeah. consider it. What does that look like for you? Yeah. I always feel like there's always a lot of different possibilities in my experience in catering is that there's always a solution. 
it just frequently isn't the first three that you think it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I've carried, I've carried that with me for 20 years. And, but it also, I think it has been looking for different solutions in all areas too. All right. I'm not happy right here. I don't like this right now. So what can I do about it? What are the options? And generally the first time I ask myself that I'm not coming up with anything brilliant either. So right. like, but don't that's okay. Like just it's supposed to happen. Just keep asking and, and the answers will show up. Right. Exactly. Well, you just said too, like, you know, what do I think about this or where is this going? Like asking yourself like, okay, is this a permanent feeling or is this a right now thing too? Because so often, you know, it might be, oh, wait, I'm working on this big project, but it ends in three months. Or you can see like, oh no, I guess this is cyclical or this is when this always happens. And so even kind of having an understanding for your ebb and flow, like one of my favorite things to say is like, it's, you know, I don't believe in balance, like, or I don't believe that balance means everything is equal. I think that, you know, the scales tip for a reason. And sometimes things are going to feel really heavy. Sometimes you're going to have light periods, vice versa. If you have a partner, maybe that'll match up with their busy periods. Maybe it won't. And so really even understanding for yourself what that looks like. So for me, I do look at my calendar out several months and kind of safeguard and build resilience for myself in that way. Like, okay, Yep. Oh, wow. I see. I do have a busy month or I have a launch coming up or I have this. So how can I reverse engineer that or work that backwards? So I'm giving myself more space during that time or, Mm -hmm. you know, now upcoming, my son's going to be a senior in high school this year and he's in band and we have football and we have all these things. Right. So I know how busy the fall is. So the last few weeks, you know, already looking at my calendar going ahead, even then in terms for me, I already know, I already kind of told my friends too. Hey, I'm going to probably not be accepting as many invitations to go do things with you. FYI, I'm not going to be having coffee anymore because I already know that I'm going to be more tired because I have all these other events. So it felt good to me because now also I'm aware I feel good about what's coming up, even though, you know, it's busy. If I look at it on a calendar, it scares me sometimes, right? How many things there are. But then I've also already communicated that with my friends. So not only do they know that if they ask me somewhere and I can't go, they're like, oh, you know, we still want to invite you, but we know you're busy. But then also what the cool part about this, my friends and I, then we know to check in on each other too. They'll be like, oh, hey, I know you've had a really busy few months. How are things going? Or whatever it is. So I think too, like understanding that burnout in in changing and setting those boundaries, it doesn't mean that your life, you can just get rid of everything. Many of people listening, you, me included, we can't just, you know, oh, no, I'm no longer doing this. I don't like thinking about money. So I'm no longer ever balancing my checkbook or looking at anything or whatever it is, right? We can't just stop doing everything. So instead of, of, you know, wanting to quit everything or wanting a vacation to escape our lives, it's like, how can you make your day-to-day life a little more manageable and feel like you have some power behind it too? Yeah, that's so beautiful. And I almost forgot, so I want to bring that up now so we're going to segue a little bit, because you have like the best resource on the planet for everybody um, to get started with creating boundaries, 30 Ways to Say No with Guilt. Yeah, 30 Ways to Say No without without Guilt. guilt. (laughs) Without Guilt. Without Guilt. Hopefully no guilt. Hopefully no guilt and no shame. No guilt, no shame, no anything. Say it powerfully. No, without. Yeah, can you just tell everybody a little bit about it? Yeah, I'd love for everybody to go grab a copy. It's so it's at my website, um, CassandraLeClaire.com forward slash guide. And it's 30 ways to say no without guilt. It's a PDF. It's free to you. And it 
has some phrases on there of ways to say no. And then I give a couple of paragraphs of just feedback in terms of, you know, if you feel like you want to give people an explanation for your boundaries, you know, here are some reasons you can do that or here's how that might look, but you don't have to. And really, it's just kind of a an overview for people too. And, and really, it does have the phrases as a list because sometimes I think it, it, it came out of place. Honestly, I needed those for myself. And so I was like, I'm just going to come up with a list. And I only intended to like, I'm going to write down 10 things I could say if I don't feel comfortable saying no. And then I just kept going and kept going. So what I think is really helpful with this is, you know, everybody's seen, I'm sure out there on social media, the meme or whatever it's called that says, you know, no is a complete sentence. Yeah, it absolutely. Yes. You can just go say no to somebody. And I think we should all practice and employ that more than we do. However, I can also tell you that for me as a person, it doesn't always feel comfortable. And the thing about boundary setting is, it's like, it's already not natural for me to do it. So I need to find some ways to set them that are comfortable to me too. And me telling myself that I just have to say no to people isn't helpful. It doesn't feel good to me. So this guide was really also like an encouragement for people like, look, yes, look, I know is a complete sentence, but that doesn't mean that you only have to say that. Sometimes you can say it differently. Sometimes you can follow up differently. And sometimes it depends on your feeling behind something too, right? Maybe you really do want to say yes to something, but you know you can't at this time. So, you know, understanding how to phrase that then so that you can feel good about it. So that's, I'm excited about it just because I think it's something that so many people struggle with. And I really just want to encourage people to start practicing some of these things and trying it and see how you can just treat it like a game that all of a sudden, like, you know, give yourself a point for every time you do it. And then I don't know, maybe after you get so many points, go buy yourself something. I don't know. I guess that's (laughs) and capitalism, but, you know, figure out whatever it is that works for you. Like sometimes I really do have to treat myself like a toddler and reward myself that way. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm not going to shame myself that I just didn't have the motivation to do it on my own. It's okay for me that I'm like going to go buy myself Starbucks after I did this five days in a row or whatever. So figuring out for yourself too, if there are some other things that will motivate you until it does become embedded, you know, now these things are just embedded for me. I don't have to bribe myself anymore, but there was definitely a time where I did have to. So, you know, so when it's creating that habit, right? Like you've got to actually reroute the neural pathways, the mindset piece of setting this boundary because it's a, it's about part of your identity, right? Like absolutely letting go of the over nurture or the helicopter parent or the people pleaser or the person who wants to do all the things all of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it takes time. It's not a it one situation. Absolutely. And it takes time. And it's just like what you said with those neural pathways, you know, thinking about them as though those are pretty deep, ruts that are in, you know, the road, right? So it takes time to pave over them. It takes time to really make them feel natural, make them feel comfortable, make them feel like your go-to. And that's why I brought up, you know, even recognizing how it feels to you physically in your body, because I can hear, especially if it's somebody in authority that I have to set a boundary with or say no to, or what have you, my voice still shakes and you can't hear it as much audibly like another person can't, but in my head, I hear it. Right. And I feel it. And so understanding that for myself, right? Knowing that and being able to, to, so when that's happening, be okay with it and still go forward. And I think that some of that, you know, we're getting a lot better at recognizing the connection between our nervous system and some of our emotions and things like that. But what we, we need to continue to talk about is then matching those things up for ourselves. 
Right, and right. we haven't always done that, you know, matching those things up, our nervous system and the ways that our body's reacting, because that is absolutely impacting how you're communicating and how you're showing up, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to close with that because you and I could talk for another hour and a half. I know. Oh, my goodness. I just like <laughs> And it's all so powerful. So I thank you so much. Like, I'm so grateful for this conversation and for you being in my life and, and our budding new friendship. But before I forget again to share with everybody where they can find you and then all the links both for um, the guide and where to connect with you, of course, will be in the show notes too. Yeah, I would love for everyone come find me on social media, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. I really, I actually just joined TikTok today. So um, at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. And then again, go ahead and grab that guide. And if there's anything, just reach out to me. I love to um, hear about what people need in terms of communication topics that are of interest to them. And I'd love to just continue to connect with people. And, and thank you again for having me. Again, we, we could, we could talk all day. So I'm excited that we got to have this conversation and we'll have to plan another. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you so much. Thanks everyone. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 